Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Good to be with you guys this morning. How are we feeling? How are we doing? Good? Feeling good? Feeling healthy? Hey, how many of you are trying to just be healthier, just maybe making health, good health choices, food choices, you know, being more active, a number of you, good, good. Hopefully, hopefully all of us are doing that. Uh, you know, that's something that we talk a lot about in my family with my kids. We talk a lot about, hey, hey, we got to be outside, we got to be active, hey, we got to eat and make good healthy food choices, and no, Fruit Loops are not in the fruit group. Those do not count as eating a fruit. Uh, that is always one that gets frustrated. Um, but it kind of, this week I was thinking about how, you know, if you look back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, like even farther, we've done some things as people to try to be healthier, to be more active. That now, sometimes we look back and we think, really? We thought that was a good idea? Like, really, we thought that was, that was going to be helpful? And, and I kind of went on this rabbit trail, like looking up old ways that we used to exercise and things like that. And I'm just, just for fun, we're going to throw up some pictures, see if you remember any of these. Uh, the first one, the vibrating exercise belt. Remember that? I can read a book. I can do my taxes. I can just shake off the weight while I'm just standing there. Right? This is one I'd never heard of before. I, maybe it's because it didn't last very long. Uh, the Mulby revolving hammock. I, I, it spins around. I don't know about you, but if I try to get in and out of a regular hammock, I can't do it. Right? They just, and this one, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. Okay, this one, the human hamster wheel. That's like, uh, hey, hun, I was cleaning out little Johnny's hamster cage, and it gave me a great idea. Let's do that for exercise, right? It's the original spin class. Um, the, this, one, I, this one made me laugh so much. The Wonder Sauna Hot Pants. And they are one size fits all. And I'm wearing a pair right now underneath my jeans. But really, I mean, who really wants to be sweaty in this region, right? This is not where I want to be sweaty, right? Not at all. Why would you? I, don't, I wonder if the AAU regretted their endorsement after a while. But okay, last one. This one's a little bit disturbing. Um, Radium-laced toothpaste. So, yeah, we, you know, we've discovered a new element, radium. Let's, that's, I got a great idea. It's radioactive. Let's put it in our mouths right? I mean, can you imagine what it would look like if you use this for a long period of time? You might look something like this. <laughs> Michael, it's amazing what you can do with simply cropping a picture off Facebook. I think Helen is originally beside you in this picture, and I was gen generous to her, not so to you. But, uh, hey, we sure do some odd things, right, to, to you know, be healthy, to be fit, uh, I wonder what they'll say 50 years from now that we're doing now that we're not even aware of, um, to have healthy bodies. Uh, but we've been in this series called, Who Do We Think We Are? Who Do We Think We Are? We've been looking at Paul's letter written to the Ephesians in the New Testament, and we've come to the beginning of chapter 4, which is exactly halfway, exactly halfway through this letter. And, and today, Paul is going to talk about what does it look like to have a healthy body. But he's not going to be talking about individually, our, our individual human bodies. He's going to talk about what does it look like to have a healthy body as in the body of Christ? 
Another way of saying the church. How do we be as a healthy body of Christ, as the church, live our lives? And, and really, um, Michael talked about this last week, but the Ephesians is divided into two very equal halves. The first half being chapters 1 through 3. The second half, chapters 4 through 6. And the first three chapters that we've gone through are really all about this idea of understanding of how do we have, how do we have a healthy view as Christians, as believers in Jesus, in recognizing of how alive we are in him, how alive we are in Christ, that we have a new identity in Christ, that we are a part of a new humanity in Christ, that we've been saved by the Son, uh, adopted by the Father, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And, and last week at the end of chapter three, what Michael shared was really felt more like a benediction. If It sounded like this beautiful closing prayer, like, Paul, it sounds like you're wrapping up this letter. I wonder if his audience thought, who was listening to it originally thought, okay, this must be the end, right? This must be the end. It sounds like the ending, but then it's not. It's actually only halfway. It's only halfway because the second half, second half of the whole letter is going to, Paul's going to shift. He's going to say, okay, now that you know how alive you are in Jesus, now let's talk about how you live out your life with Jesus as the church, as the body of Christ. What does it actually look like to live out your life in the family, the church of God. And thankfully, it's not to start using radioactive toothpaste. Thankfully, that's not it at all. So we're going to jump in. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. If you have a Bible or phone and want to get there, the verses will also be on the screen. Uh, it's a little bit of a longer chunk, but we're going we're gonna to dive in, and, and, and I think there's a lot of amazing stuff in it. So verse 1 says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, notice Paul's talking here, and he says he calls himself a prisoner for the Lord. It's interesting because he's actually a prisoner of Rome. He, when he's writing this letter, he's literally imprisoned by the Romans, yet he does not self-identify in that way. He chooses to see himself as a prisoner for the Lord and living his life for the Lord in that way. And then he goes on to say, I urge you you being plural, not singular, meaning he's basically saying, I urge you all. And if you, if you were a guy and you were here for our men's event this past Friday night, the Man in the Mirror event that we had, Ben Hodge spoke. And one of the things he talked about was how often in the New Testament we read the word you in English and we think it's just about me, but actually it's talking about you all or y'all, right? Like so, so he's saying, I urge y'all to listen here. I urge you all to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, what have we received from Jesus? What have we received from him? We've received the gift of salvation, the priceless gift. We've received forgiveness. We receive grace upon grace. We receive love. We receive mercy. We are more alive than we could have ever dreamed because of what we've been given by him. And now he's going to say, you are called to live according in a, in a way that is worthy of what you have received, worthy of that calling. And the word worthy here comes from the Greek word axios, which is where we get the word axiom, which means to be of equal weight or balanced. Balanced. So you think, you think about a balanced scale, right? Remember those balanced scales? You put, what happens to a balanced scale? You put weight on one side, it goes down, and the other side goes up, right? And so what Paul is saying here by, in this turning point in this letter is he's saying, Chapters 1 through 3, we were adding weight to one side the whole time. He's saying, we were talking about, listen, look, listen to all the amazing blessings you've received in chapters 1 through 3. You are saved. 
You are forgiven. You are filled with uh, peace, love beyond what you could ever imagine. We've been adding weight to the whole, this whole side. And now he's saying, now what we're going to do is now we're going to add weight to the other side. We're going to talk about what does it look like to live in a way that, uh, that lives out those blessings, that balances those blessings out. And not just as individuals, but together, together as the church, together as the body of Christ. So keep going. Verse 2, he says, this is how we do it. Be, hum- be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who has descended is the very one who has ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now I'm going to pause right here for a second because this, this, especially verses 7 through 10, it's a little confusing. What are you you talking about here, Paul? What is this ascend, descend, and, you know, captives and gifts? And what are you talking about? Well, what he's referring to in this passage is uh, Paul is referring back to Psalm 68 in the Old Testament. He's talking about Psalm 68, and it's a psalm that was written by King David. And it's a really, the whole premise of the psalm is it's a, it's a song about a military victory, a great military victory where the leader, really God, has won this mighty victory. And when kings and leaders would win a victory back then, they, you know, over an enemy, they would then gather all the plunder, all the spoils that they've collected from, that, from their enemy, and they would take it back home. They would take it back to the people, and they would distribute it and share it with the people. And, that's, and so that seems kind of odd, but what Paul is saying here is that's what Jesus has done. That's what Jesus, Jesus has won the greatest victory ever. He, he, he went to the cross, and he defeated death. He has been victorious over death. And now he's sharing the plunder with us. He's sharing the spoils with us, his people. And, 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 and in the verse, it says, uh, verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned. And the word grace is not specifically talking about saving grace. He's actually, he's actually talking about gifts, spiritual gifts. Uh, this word grace is actually can be translated in other parts of the New Testament to being spiritual gifts. It's actually the same word uh, in the original language. And so he's talking about, he's given us these gifts to, to have the ability to now go and do the works of the kingdom of God, to go and do the things we've been called to do, that life, live the life that is worthy of that calling. He keeps going, verse 11, he says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There will be no longer be, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here or there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him 
who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. Now, I know that was a long section, so, so, so we're going to kind of look for some themes in here. But how do we know that if we're living as the healthy body of Christ? How do we know? What are the markers? What are the indicators? Well, Paul, Paul talks about two markers, two indicators in this section. He talks about unity, and he talks about maturity. Unity and maturity. The healthy church body is marked by unity and maturity. Let's first talk about unity. Did you notice how many times Paul said the word one at, at the beginning of the passage? Verses four through six. Let's go back and look at that. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Seven times. Seven times he uses the word one in just this little tiny section. Isn't that interesting? Seven is also the, a biblical number, right? It's a biblical number meaning completeness. And, and it's interesting here that Paul just, he drives this home, this idea of unity, this idea of oneness and how important that is. Now, two weeks ago, Heather spoke and in her talk, she talked about unity a lot. It was super practical super helpful. If you missed that talk or weren't here, I would encourage you to go back, watch it online, or listen to the podcast. Uh, it was very, very good in a sense of, I think, giving practical stuff for that. But I want to, so I, I'm not going to talk too long about unity, but I do want to say just a couple of things. Um, I believe that unity and oneness has been under great attack in the last year or so. Would you agree? Would you agree that we are living in a time in this world where disunity just seems to be running wild? And whenever unity is hard, whenever unity is difficult, the temptation and the easier way out, to be honest, is for us to become a more tribalized culture, more tribalized culture. This has happened historically. We see this with different nations, different people groups throughout history, whether when there's abuse of power or when there's ideological differences or when there's just disagreements, even disagreements over holy places or things that are done in the name of God, right? If you've been tracking with what's happening in the Middle East this week, right, with Israel and Palestine and Hamas and, and like just the, the bombings and the rockets and everything that's going on. And that's not like it's just a recent thing. It's escalated recently, but it's been a long time struggle, right, in the Middle East there. But whenever there's disunity and conflict, there's pressure to divide. There's pressure to be more tribalized, to pick a side, to pick a side. Politically, ideologically, pretty much everything, Ali. Like, are, are you for this or that? Are you with us? Or are you with them? Right? It's constantly that kind of language. And, and the, that, the reason why that's concerning is because God, God desires to be the God of all people. God wants all people to come to know him. God wants everybody to be united, all tribes to be united under him. But it doesn't just happen in nations, right? This happens in communities. It happens in homes. happens in extended families and workplaces where we see just division and dividing happening. And unfortunately, it happens sometimes in churches. It happens in churches. I was reading a story about a church that went through a really difficult, difficult, hard church split. And they, were, they had t it had gone all the way to court, and they were trying to decide, well, which side is going to get the building, and which side is going to get the property, and, and everything. And, 
And in all of the legal proceedings and all the kind of digging into what really happened, it, it was interesting. It all came back to one little starting point where they apparently had a, the, some of the leaders and families got together for a meal. And one of the elders, the volunteer leaders, got upset that somebody else's kid sitting next to him got a bigger piece of ham. That was the, they could trace it back to that little tiny disagreement. Well, that led to another little disagreement or another little you know, break of disunity or another little frustrating point, which led to a slightly bigger, to a bigger, to a bigger. Before they knew it, they were dividing the church. And they were, it was, it was, it was totally, they were total disunity. And, and you know, it's interesting, but you know, the, when I think about our human bodies, we use this analogy of our body a lot in the scriptures, our human bodies, we don't, do, our human bodies don't know how to work in unity like instantaneously all the time. Right? Some of that stuff we have to learn. Some of that stuff we have to kind of fall down a little bit to figure out. You know, when my kids were little and they were learning how to walk, you know, they're learning. It's not like they instantly decided one day, I'm going to walk instead of crawl. I, I can do this, right? No, the parts of their body have to learn how to do that together in unison, right? So you know, just to, not lifting the knee just enough, you know, and down goes baby, Right? Or sticking their arm out a little too far, not knowing how, to, how do I swing my arms to keep balance, you know, down goes baby. Or if they hear a noise and they turn their head to look at it, well, their head's weigh as much as the rest of their whole body, right? And down goes baby, right? It doesn't take much. We don't think about it, but our body parts are working like in unity just to simply walk. It takes a lot of work in our brain, but we have to learn that. It takes practice. We have to learn it. So that unity is the first indicator. Paul says the second indicator will, or marker will be maturity. Maturity. And, and my observation too has been that we've seen a lot of immaturity expressed in our culture lately. You know, the past year or so, we've seen and heard so much name calling, so much blaming, so much ranting and raving like temper tantrums, so much pouting, so much unwillingness to, to say I'm sorry. And I'm not talking about toddlers right? We see adults acting like this. Celebrities and politicians and people in the news. And, 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 it, and I, it's happening in our communities too. And unfortunately, it, that means it's happening in the, in the church too. That's happening in the greater church as a whole. And we're called to be different. We're called to a higher standard, a higher calling. Verse 14 says this, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now, this imagery has always boggled my mind. I mean, Paul, this is a little odd. Why are you talking about putting a bunch of babies by themselves in a boat, right? And then letting them get thrown about by wind and waves. What? You know, where's that coming from? Well, Paul, what Paul's trying to say is, hey, when, when something, someone comes along and says something, and it's, it's, it sounds intelligent, it's crafty, it's cunning, it's, but it comes along and it, it's meant to rattle us. It's meant to confuse us. It's meant to distract us or bring disunity. You know, how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to respond like infants? Or are we going to respond like mature people? Are we going to know what to do? In the boat, when those kinds of things happen, are we just going to cry because we, we don't know what to do? 
Or are we going to be mature and know how to pick up oars and row to shore? Are we going to know how to do that? Paul says that, that, that are we going to respond like mature adults with this balance of truth in love? You could do a whole talk just on that phrase, truth in love. How do we respond like that? Unity and maturity, these are the two indicators Paul has woven throughout this passage uh, that mark a healthy church, a healthy body of Christ. But how do we get there, and how do we get there together? Because again, we're talking about how do, we, how do we be the church together, the body together? Well, he talks about it in this passage as well. He tells us what to do. And, and it says basically that we need to focus on equipping. Focus on equipping. And I believe that we need to prioritize and focus on long-term equipping more than short-term entertaining. The healthy church focuses on equipping over entertaining. I read a study the other day. It showed that before the pandemic, the average American uh, spent 17 hours in front of a screen a day. A day. That's phones, TVs, laptops, gaming systems, you know, all those things like that. 17 hours a day. Since the pandemic, that's gone up two more hours, 19. Now, unless we've slowed down in how we're spinning, you know, around the sun, how long a day is, like, I'm pretty sure it's still 24 hours. So that's only five hours? How is that possible? Sleeping and all that stuff. Well, the only way that's possible because we're on more than one of those things at the same time, right? We're getting double, right? We're watching TV while we're on our phones, right? We are a very entertainment-driven culture, and it's continuing to go that way, and it will continue to go that way. So the temptation is, the temptation is to follow suit as the church, both locally and globally. And listen, there's nothing wrong with the people of God getting together, gathering together, and having a good time, right? There's nothing wrong with having some laughs together, and even if it's at the expense of our lead pastor a little bit, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if the focus of the church, and I'm talking about the big church, the global church, is mission drifts towards spending more and more time trying to entertain the people coming in the doors rather than equipping them to go out the doors, we will not grow to be mature in our faith. We will not grow in unity together. We will be stuck in infancy we will be stuck in infancy. Look at verse 11 says this. So Christ gave him, himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to entertain his people for their enjoyment. No, nope, that's not what it says. To equip his people for works of service so that, the body, or so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. The, the leaders of the church are called to, an, to equip an army, not entertain an audience. We are called to an equip an army, and that's a good thing because I'm not that entertaining. Like, like, my jokes are pretty limited. You guys have about seen as good as they get. That's it, right? The purpose of you sitting here, the purpose of you guys gathering here on the weekends, the purpose of us gathering in small groups and different ways that we get together. It's not to experience something like a concert or a comedy show, right? It's really to get, it's more like a military briefing to, to, to get our marching orders, to, to be taught and told this is the mission, to be trained up. Now, this is what we're going to do. Now we're going to go out and we're going to take on the mission, right? Like a military briefing. 
rather than, than being entertained. Because if, we, if that's the goal, then we will grow in maturity and in unity. Uh, we will not remain as immature infants needing to be entertained and made goofy faces at or played peekaboo with. In reference to this passage, author Tony Meridia says this. He's talking about every church member. Every member should grow up and use a towel, not wear a bib. They should not be immature consumers, but eager servants. Eager servants. To equip God's people for works of service. Sometimes this is referred to as equipping the saints. If you have an older version of the Bible, you may uh, have heard it called that before, equipping the saints. And by saints, I don't mean long, long dead canonized people from hundreds of years ago, right? Christians from hundreds of years ago. I'm talking about every single believer, every single Christian. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are considered a saint in this, in this sense. And from the beginning of the vineyard movement, we have been very intentional about this exact verse, Ephesians 4.12, as saying the purpose of all, part of what we, our vision is to gather and equip the saints for the works of, that God has for us to do. And so we are going to continue as, as VCDC to be an equipping church because we know in the long run that that is what is going to mature, create mature uh, church body, mature in our faith and unity. So what's the difference between a person who kind of approaches church or thinks about church and gathering and, and small groups from an entertainment view versus an equipping view? What's the difference? Well, I want to throw a couple statements up here. And these are not meant to be condemning because I say some of these things and, and without even thinking about it. But I want you just to think about how this our mind might be thinking about church in this. So an entertaining view or statement might sound like something like this. The worship team sounded amazing. And think about that. That's it. Hey, you sounded great. That's an entertainment statement versus the worship team really led me in experiencing the presence of God, getting filled up with God, getting ready to go out and do the work of God, right? Or this, next one, the sermon was really funny and engaging. Okay, that's entertaining, right? That's entertainment. Versus the sermon was really helpful and applicable. Hey, I learned something that I'm going to now go try or go do. Right? Or I love watching others be moved during ministry time. Versus I love praying for others during ministry time. Right? I really enjoy hanging out with the people in my small group. I hope that's true. I hope you do. <laughs> Versus I really get to practice the Christian life with the people in my small group. Last one. I can't wait to come back next week and see what God does. Versus, I can't wait to share what I learned this week with someone and see what God does. See, it's, and again, there's nothing wrong with the, the statements on the left in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with those. Like, I tell the worship team all the time, hey, you guys sounded awesome today. But there's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't ever get beyond those things, if we don't ever start to see that there's a different reason than just, hey, that sounded good, or I just want to, you know, be at a concert or a comedy show or whatever. If we don't ever get beyond that and realize, like, hey, we're coming here to be equipped, then we won't grow. We will stay stuck in our infancy. We won't grow up into what Paul is inviting us into uh, in what he's talking about in this section here. So I want to have the, invite the worship team to kind of start to make their way back up here. Just to get practical, a couple things. I want to talk about how are we committed at VCDC to be an equipping church uh, first one up here, we are committed to making room for everyone to play. We use this phrase all the time, everyone gets to play, right? But I was thinking about this, until you commit to playing something, there's really no reason to actually practice it. 
Until you sign up to be on a sports team, right? There's no reason to really get out there and practice at a ton. But when you know you've got a game coming up, there's some motivation, right? And to, if you're learning a new instrument or you decide, hey, and I'm going to perform for some friends or family, if, if, you're, if you don't have a, a deadline coming up in your mind or something like that, there's really not as much incentive to practice. And so we, we recognize, that, hey, God is, has things for you guys to go do. He has things for all of us to go do as the church family. And so we need to be intentional about, hey, when we gather together to be practicing those things. And so we're always looking for more people to get involved, for more people to join our worship teams, for more people to uh, be praying for other people at the end of the service, for more people to get involved in high school and middle school ministry, our kids' ministry. We need a, a couple more volunteers to make our summer kids' classes keep happening uh, and some of the other services. And so we need you guys, and we want to open up even more of our kids' classes. So we need some of your help to do that. So I would just encourage you to be praying, hey, how can I, how can I get more involved here if, I'm, if you're not already? Second thing is, we're committed to teach the Bible. Now, that, that might sound obvious um, or silly, but it's been interesting to me, and I know Michael and I have talked about this lately, that we've had a number of people, you know, they'll come and they'll visit our church for three or four weeks, and they'll say, you know, one of the things I love about here as you guys teach the Bible. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. Like, but, but what they mean by that is not that other churches aren't teaching the Bible. I don't think that's what they mean. But like, you guys dive deep. Like, you guys go deep. It's not just like surfacy or positive self-help. Like, you guys dive deep. And we're committed to that because we know that when you know the Word of God, that you'll be able to enact the Word of God. You'll be able to, you'll be equipped to go out and live out the Word of God. And so we're, we want to be, we're very committed to that. And last one, we're committed to training others in the ways of Jesus. That we are committed to training and following the example of Jesus. And so we offer things like our monthly equip classes, like the one coming up in a week and a half, um, how to read the Bible. Uh, we, have, we offer them once a month. Our weekend services in small groups, one-on-one -on -one discipleship, we, we value getting together and training each other and sharing what we're learning and doing together. To be an army, not an audience. To learn how to pray for the sick. Uh, to how to develop a devotional life, how to share your faith, how to grow and strengthen your relationships, your marriage, how to parent your kids well. You know, in June, we're going to offer a brand new equip class on parenting, just a plug for those of you who are parents that are, keep an eye out for that. But, but really, the, all of the beginning of chapter four in Ephesians, this major turning point, this major turning point in Paul's letter, as he's now going from focusing on, hey, now that you know how alive you are in Christ, Let's talk about how to now live that out with Christ. And so even though we're in the middle of this series, in some ways this feels like an intro to a new series. Like we're kind of like, it's two series, it's a series within a series. Now we're going to get real practical. So over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about really specific practical things. So I would really just encourage you to, to keep coming back and keep being a part of it. And I can't wait to see how God just really helps us walk this out as a healthy body of Christ, as a maturing body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand up? We're going to worship. And here's what I'd say. You know, during worship, if you get a picture or a word, this is a great way to practice. It's a way to do what we're talking about. Michael's over here. I'll be over here. Come over here. Feel free to come let us know what it is. We'll help you process that. And if it's something worth sharing. And then um, if you didn't get the chance to grab the communion elements on the tables in the back when you came in, 
I would encourage you to go grab those. You can take communion on your own with family or friends at any point during worship. And then after we do a couple songs, I'll come back up and lead us in how we're going to pray for each other. So let's, let's worship together. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.